0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Goddess of Crypto. I have with me today, Laura Pomatian. She is the founder of Height Zero, which is a real estate advisory firm that helps commercial folks get into AI and blockchain. In other words, the future of a lot of what's going on with real estate.
1: The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female.
0: Laura and I are a very unusual pair to be interviewing today because we actually know each other in real life and everything. (laughs) We met at a crypto expo, gosh, almost a year ago, and we have been seeing each other around. I'll say that. So welcome, Laura. Thank you for being a guest on Goddess of Crypto.
2: Pleasure, Hallie. Thank you for having me. I love what you're doing, and I really appreciate what you're doing for many reasons, but also particularly for women. So thank you for that.
0: Yay. Excellent. Mm -hmm. First of all, I noticed your shirt. Can you like lean back for everyone that's on YouTube? They get to see your shirt. It says let's tokenize it. What is it? Let's tokenize it. (laughs) Excellent. Yes. So (laughs) let's talk about what that means. Let's get like a kind of working definition for what a token is.
2: Yeah. So in real estate, tokenization, the token represents a digital interest in a real estate asset, right? So it's different from crypto. Crypto, crypto is you're talking about crypto coins and then the difference in tokenization is that with tokenization with real estate, it's backed by real estate, right? So it's backed by a hard asset, which is very different from cryptocurrency.
0: Mm, That is a very important distinction, yes. So I know we're probably going to talk a little bit about NFTs, but I guess the question that I have is like, why would people want, I mean, I'm asking this question, like totally theoretically, because I love it. But why would people want to be in the tokenizing of real estate space? What advantage is that for like a commercial broker or somebody who's a commercial developer?
2: So for a real estate owner, there's many benefits to tokenization. There's a couple of different ways that we can tokenize real estate. One is to for capital raise. If an owner is looking for capital and they need that for renovation of a property or maybe a an acquisition or a new build, right? They have an existing asset or an existing portfolio of assets. They have capital, right? That they have access to, and we can access that through tokenization. We can also tokenize the equity stock in an existing asset as well. That helps with asset management. So the benefits for, I mean, just to kind of for raising capital, like through security tokens, the benefits for the developer would be kind of gives them a competitive edge with investors because it's providing liquidity on the secondary market. So
0: if I have to... Hold on, hold on, because people that are going to be listening to this aren't in real estate usually at all. So when you say liquidity on the secondary market, can you like give me a plain English version of that?
2: yeah, so say I and I'll just give you an example of like a tokenized real estate asset. okay, I own a hotel. I'm a, a real estate developer. I own a hotel. It's a hundred million dollar hotel, and I have, let's say thirty million dollars in equity. I need ten million dollars for renovation of that hotel, let's say. So with that equity, that ten million dollars, we can create an offering for investors, right? And we can open up that offering to retail investors, to everyone, basically, right? Not just accredited investors that have millions of dollars to invest in product. We can open this up to everyone. So we do that through securitizing the offering under a, it's called a Reg A offering, which means basically the SEC is involved. They are regulating, they're making sure it's compliant, right? It's above board. And we can now issue shares in that hotel to investors right and the investors can come to the table with a minimum of maybe ten thousand dollars right or maybe a thousand dollars or maybe it's a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars but it's a lot less than what traditionally we are seeing in a commercial investment which is millions of dollars right so traditionally that owner developer would go to investors and looking to capitalize that ten million dollars maybe from one or two investors now they can open that up to hundreds of investors if they would like and capitalize much easier because now you have a much broader investor pool, right? Yeah, so,
0: like it's, it's basically crowdfunding for a real estate yeah. asset. Yeah, yeah, but legal crowdfunding because the SEC is involved. And so they're going to approve that process. I think they're going to approve it. It sounds like you've done all this stuff a bunch of times already, right? So we know that it is something that the SEC is saying is okay and is falling under existing regulations, even though it is a digital asset. Is that right?
2: Yeah, correct. Because if you think about the process of a capital raise, right, you have to go through all of these steps. Traditionally, even with a security token offering, you're still going through all of those same steps. And the difference is that now the share can be, fractionalized into a smaller denomination, right? So if I have $10 million that I capitalized, $10 million denominated tokens. And why is that advantageous for an investor, right? If I come into the investment with $10,000, now I have $10,000 denominated tokens, I have 10,000 tokens, then I can go and sell on the secondary market if I would like to and recapitalize myself. So if I wanna hold that for a year or two years or three years or whatever it may be, and I wanna exit my investment, I can do that at my leisure now without having to go through this very complicated process of exiting in a traditional commercial real estate investment, which is complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds very interesting. So let's talk a little bit if you can, and I know you said commercial, so I think this is something that will feel comfortable for you. I want to talk about syndication. Is Mm -hmm. that something that you are talking about doing or you're thinking about doing? And also just, again, let's get a definition. How would you define syndication?
2: Well, so we are an advisory firm, right? So we are working with the GP that is assembling the syndication, right? They're assembling all of the
0: investors. For, GP is the general partner, right? Is the general
2: partner, right? So mm-hmm. the general okay. partner is going to sponsor the deal and they would then bring in other investors. We're going to help that general partner, the GP, through the process, use if they're interested in using tokenization in their project. So if, they're, if they they want to raise $30 million for a purchase of a $100 million hotel, right? We can help them with that entire process from A to Z. And we just save them a lot of time. So we're basically, we're not the ones that are actually offering the product, but we're Mm -hmm. listing in the process. The process is a lot of people think, oh, we'll just go tokenize real estate. We'll just call up the software provider and we'll tokenize our real estate asset. And you you can't do that. It's a security offering. There's upwards of 20 different service providers that are involved in the process. All of the steps from A to Z It could take a couple of months to launch. It could take two months, three months, four months, depending. And by the time you launch, you have another 12 months to raise capital. So the whole entire process could be upwards of 16 months, depending on the product and raise the amount of the raise issuers out there that are raising a hundred million dollars plus, and that could take a while. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, what if you wanted to do syndication of like a block of houses, for example, as opposed to like a single unit, like a hotel, what if I wanted to, I don't know, I'm just making this up. But let's say I wanted to syndicate the street I live on and I was making a deal with everybody to buy their houses and that's what I'm putting into my block. Now, how does it work? Is there anything stopping me from doing that today? Because I feel like this is kind of one of the future paths that we're going to start seeing. But my understanding is that a lot of this fractionalization of the tokens is being blocked by the SEC right now because they're like, hey, it's a security. But here you are sailing on through just already doing it as a security and saying, yep, we're going to start there. And that's how we're moving forward. What would stop me from doing that kind of project?
2: That's a great question. And I think that with tokenization, we're talking about a couple of different things, right? You could talk about tokenization as a non-fungible token, an NFT, right? which is what a lot of people are talking about and they're familiar with. And
0: Right. Most of my listeners are actually familiar with NFTs by now because I've done like six shows about NFTs. But in case this is your first time, an NFT, a non-fungible token means it is an asset that cannot be exchanged for a like asset. In other words, it's a unique asset. So a piece of real estate is really a non-fungible token because you can't just exchange it for another piece of real estate. Does that sound like a pretty decent person? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, fair. So
2: it's just, it's very unique and like, it's not interchangeable. So yes, we could exchange the asset, a hotel asset in its entirety via an NFT, right? We could do that, but we're talking about is we're issuing security tokens based on the interest in the property from a investment standpoint right? So fractionalizing the interest into a number of shares and then having investors come in and participate in that hotel, right? Because typically you can't participate in a commercial asset, a hotel asset for a thousand dollars today. Like you can't do that, right? But with tokenization, you can do that. So when you talk about a neighborhood, tokenizing a neighborhood, you could potentially tokenize residential property and a portfolio of product, and you have a portfolio of rental houses that you might be interested in creating a portfolio offering, right? Like a fun type of offering. And you could tokenize that. It starts to make sense. And just kind of depending on the project, I mean, we're crowdfunding projects from $5 million up, right? But it really starts to make sense for assets that are closer to 10 million. You're looking for a $10 million raise based on you know, mean because it's easy say.
0: enough to raise the money for the five million that you don't need to tokenize? Is that why?
2: No, not necessarily. It's more so that, and we're seeing in hundred million dollar raises, right? And they could start with a CF crowdfunding offering upwards of five million dollars or maximum of five million dollar raise, and they could apply that to roll that into the future reggae, say, right? In your reggae, you can raise up to seventy five million in a. 12 month period of time. So we're seeing a lot more use of the reg A of the CF, right? Where a lot of traditionally that's under Reg D because we're always working with accredited investors. But now with crowdfunding, with tokenization, it's really making things a lot easier.
0: Leveling the playing field a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Sure. Yeah. But I didn't catch this one piece. So explain what you said it about 10 million. It starts to make sense. And then you said that my reasoning behind that was not the right reason. So what is, is it just not cost effective to do the 5 yeah. million? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I wanna talk about you because you're, I mean, you impressed the heck out of me when I first saw you. For those of you that want to have a little bit of backstory on this, Laura was moderating a panel at a Proppy event that I went to. And Proppy, mm-hmm. you may have heard me talk about in a, lot, a previous episode, Proppy is the company that has done the first NFTs as real estate in the, on the residential side. And they were having an event for realtors. And I went, not knowing what to expect. It was really like one of my first crypto events. And there was Laura just knocking it out of the park on one of the panels. And then every show I've been to, Laura has been moderating these panels. So she asks these incredibly insightful questions. And it's really powerful to get to see her. Sometimes she's on stage with other women. Other times, she's the only chick on the stage and she always holds her own, which I absolutely love. But Laura, I saw this thing this morning that just kind of broke my heart. It was a list of the top 20 people in crypto. When I say crypto, I'm using that term in a big, loose way because it's really crypto, blockchain, all the things, right? And of the 20 people, there wasn't a single pair of boobs among them. It was all, <laughs> all dudes. And yeah. I looked at that. It was the lowest one on there was Brock Pierce, who I've met a couple times. He's a sweet guy. He's a, got a billion dollars. And then the top billionaire was the guy who owns Binance and at $65 billion. So there's some serious range in there. The top 20 guys are guys. And I looked at that and I thought, this system is just broken. Like if that's what's going on and the top 20, there isn't even one woman, that's ridiculous. Like that's really not okay. So I want to know like, what's it like for you being on all these stages with these bros and what's it like for you being a woman holding her own in the blockchain space?
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. I feel like In the crypto space and like you said we're talking more to cryptography than necessarily just cryptocurrency right just everything in the space in general that we all have an equal opportunity right it's just really a matter of learning and pursuing that avenue and yes there are those that have a head start right and they've just kind of redirected their current knowledge and their current base, they've kind of pivoted into the blockchain space with all of this knowledge already. And if you look at traditional finance or you look at traditional technology in both of those arenas, it's male dominated. So I think that it's just going to take education and really trying to everyone, all of us as women coming together and really supporting each other and educating each other and making it really apparent that anyone can participate in this industry. It really has leveled the field for a lot of different sectors across many industries with the technology. So I don't know, for us, I've been in real estate and development for 20 years. And in that industry, it's primarily women dominated. There's a lot of women in the real estate industry That's so true. Yeah, and in tech, if you look at the tech industry, like I said, it's a very small percentage of women. So it's going to be really interesting for us in general, being on the real estate side, working on the tech side of real estate now, and seeing how it emerges. I'm very comfortable in the real estate space, and I just thought, hey, take a seat at the table, and if you have something important that you can say, you, you get to stay. So I've done as much as I could to educate myself and make sure that, and there's the tech changes every day. I say this all the time. You have to be immersed in the space to really stay in touch and keep up with what's happening in the space. So it's dedication. And there's plenty of women out there that are very dedicated. They're brilliant and driven and just pivot into the space and redirect what it is that you're doing. Because this blockchain is going to affect almost probably everything
0: everything. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Learning that language, learn the language, understand what the terminology is. It's like anything. It's like learning anything.
0: Yeah, if you are listening to this and it's your first episode, please go back to some previous episodes. I have already recorded three crypto vocabulary episodes. So it is like learning a new language and it's important that you educate yourself just those words or feel familiar. I mean, here, Laura started talking about Reg A and CF, but you knew that those were the SEC regulations. You knew that was crowdfunding because she explained that to you. And then once you have those words, then you can pick up on the acronyms the next time that they're used as acronyms. And it's the same thing, whether we're saying that stuff, or we're talking about hodling, or how big is your bag or any of that. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) the first time I ever heard that expression, I was like, excuse me. And then I eventually I realized that (laughs) they just meant like, how much of that crypto are you holding? But There are some such funny words sometimes in crypto, and we've changed. Spellings are different now, and the words themselves are different. I had somebody on here. uh, Julie Taubman was on a previous episode. She runs a women in crypto group on Facebook. It's up over 10,000 of us now. And Mm -hmm. she talked about that phrase, when Lambo, which is when I grow a crypto dude, says, when am I getting my Lamborghini? When is that crypto going to explode so much that I can just buy a Lamborghini? And my favorite meme ever was a bunch of Lamborghinis in a row and a note on it that said, please make sure that when, I don't know, I think it was Shiva Inu, when it goes to a dollar that you only buy one Lambo, So there is enough Lambos for everybody. And I just <laughs> thought that was so funny. But when she was on there, she was talking about that phrase. And she said, when it's women in crypto, it's not when Lambo, it's when college education, when family vacation... And I thought that was such a brilliant insight, probably still one of the most profound things I've heard and we're up to like 30 episodes or whatever, because there's such a distinction between the way that women think about their money and the way that men think about it. And then also statistically the way that women treat their money and the way that men treat their money. The stat that I love to quote is that when a woman makes a dollar 80 to 90% will go back into her family and the local community. When a man makes a dollar, it's 30 to 40 cents of that. So that is a significant difference. So the women are not only making as much money, they are now turning around and reinvesting that into their family unit, into their local community. And so I think when the Dalai Lama said the world will be saved by the Western woman, he was talking about every one of us because we're the ones with the potential for that wealth and the potential to invest that. So do you have any thoughts on that topic? I do
2: very much agree with what you're saying. And I think that it just kind of comes back to the same, right? Educating and having women not feel like intimidated and getting into the space. I mean, it can be any new venture that you're going into, right? Any new industry, any new... I don't know, any new pursuit of anything can be somewhat intimidating because you're on the front end of the learning, right? But once you get into the learning and you start to understand, you build your confidence and you start to really grasp what it is that you need for yourself to get to the place where you want to go, right? And that's really where it starts, but you have to start. You have to start. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, when it comes to blockchain, I feel like Whatever industry you're in, no matter what industry you're in, try to figure out how this tech is affecting your industry and if it's something that you're interested in, right? With cryptocurrency, we're talking about finance, we're talking about investment, we're talking about those kinds of things. And I'm not a, don't take me for someone that's going to give advice on finance or crypto for that matter at all. But with that, you have to educate yourself. And traditionally, I mean, that's been men that have been doing that for themselves. Now, women just have to kind of start doing that too, more so. I think that there's been a massive shift over the last decade. I think that there's a lot of women that are now very, very driven and prominent and leaders in their space and leading in there. But yeah, you look at the top 20 crypto bros, I mean, that's saying something for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. And more stats for you, like 3% of projects that are funded in the crypto space are female, 3%, and that has doubled. And there is more money out there for the women. It's just they're not asking for it. And I find this really interesting. I think I talked about this maybe once in a previous episode, but it's so valuable. So I heard an anecdotal HR stat that I thought was fascinating. If a man thinks he's at least 50% qualified for a job, he's gonna stick his resume in, in the pile. A woman is putting her resume in, she has to think she's 80 or 90% qualified, or she's not going to submit. So, again, there's a certain perfectionism, there's a certain good girl quality, there's a certain wanting to be a team player, wanting to give the other kids a chance, all the things that you probably heard in school when you raised your hand too many times, or you were too mouthy or too loud, or I don't know why I would think any of these things, not talking about myself clearly. Anyway, I once made a teacher cry, but never mind. <laughs> so when you are holding back because you were told from the time that you were a kid that that was not okay for you to just be you, you're very likely to not ask for the investment, the job, the money, the education.
2: Risk, right? Risk averse inherently. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And not just risk averse. We have been trained to not ask for the thing that we desire because it might offend somebody or it might not fit with somebody. When I went to college, I went to college on an acting scholarship. That was my job. I was an actress, period, the end. That was all I cared about from the time that I was like 10 years old. And then I went off and worked in the theater. And then I got wild hair with several other people. And we started an interactive multimedia company back in the CD-ROM days, really, really, really a long time ago. And so we knew nothing, but neither did anybody else in those days. You could not go to school for learning. There were no interactive training programs. There were no interactive movie programs. I know this because we invented the interactive film and I produced the first ever interactive movies. How did I know to do that? I didn't. I figured it out as I went along. So the director, the writer, the creator of the technology, all of that stuff, it all got invented as we went. That's actually why I left the theater. I was like, This is so cool. And nobody's ever done it before. But that meant that in my mid-20s that I got my education with the expression is, you're building the plane while flying it. And that was exactly what was going on. And that's what's happening in crypto right now. That is what I love about the blockchain crypto Web3 space. You can't go to school for it. I interviewed three women in the last month who said to me, I won't come on your show because I'm not an expert. I learned everything I need to know on YouTube. And I'm like, excellent. We're going to have a great conversation. And when they came on, they were so excited because they got to share about, and as they're doing it, they're like, wait, I mean, I could see the light bulb. I have expertise. I understand. And what is expertise? When you suck in enough of those YouTube videos, use your discernment and spit that back out in a cohesive, intelligent manner with your own words, congratulations, you've accomplished it. And I feel like there's a lot of women who are saying that they don't feel like they're qualified yet. And I think that's a shame because I think there's so many women out there who are incredibly qualified, like really, like you said, you've got all this experience in real estate, but you didn't pivot. You just kind of like went one step to the left, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's
2: I looked at the industry and I thought, wow, there's so many things that this technology could disrupt in real estate. I mean, especially real estate, right? As antiquated and slow moving as it is, there's a lot of opportunity for improvement in the space. And I just thought, well, I've always enjoyed new, right? I've been in new development, 12 projects I've been on and I enjoy the process of what is going to come from this idea. And I think that that's very similar to what's happening in the space. We're all molding the space right now. There's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of just possibilities. And based on what we're doing and how we see it and how we feel it is going to benefit we're molding how it's going to look right in a few years and that's important and i think like you said getting women involved and having that perspective i mean any type of diversity in the space is important because that's how that's how we're all going to succeed right when it applies and it benefits everyone and we can all look at it and say this is going to benefit us how and this will benefit us in this way and that'll benefit me personally because we're built we're kind of integrated into this whole entire ecosystem. And when all boats rise with the tide, right, that's when everyone's going to be successful. And we have to make sure that that happens. And we have to be supportive of everyone. And that's what I love so much about the blockchain space is how just incredibly collaborative it is, right? There's a lot of different people in the space that are doing similar things, right? But there is no competition in the space right now. I mean, there's so much opportunity and I say that all the time. There's so many people that are, yeah, there's a lot of companies that are tokenizing over 50, right? I think the number is like 70 companies out there that are tokenizing real estate right now. Is that a lot? <laughs> no, <laughs> right? No. It's no, not. There's $320 trillion of real estate out there. Like, no, that's not. Uh, a
0: growth sector alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: exactly. So yes, go do it. You find interest in something, here's just someone else is doing it. You have to contribute. If you love the industry, contribute and help it grow.
0: Mm, beautiful. Yeah. So what is one more thing that you want all the women out there to know?
2: You can do it. <laughs> you can do it, right? You know, you just, you have to, I feel like, and I say this sometimes that You just take the seat at the table, right? It's a bunch of guys at the table and you sit down at the table and you bring what you bring to the table and you figure out, you're going to figure out pretty quick what else you need to learn. And you can't have an ego about it, right? You go and you can't be scared and you sit down and you see what it is that you know, compared to what they can possibly teach you and you learn and you stay, right? You stay there and you continue to grow and get better and become more valuable to the industry because you're pushing yourself. And I would just say to go and do it and not be scared.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So other women, when I've asked them at the end, I've heard them say, do it. But that piece that you just said, stay, I think that's everything. Stay in the room. That is through your fear, through your unknowingness through your education, because every day that you don't know something is a day that you're learning it and you're getting better at it. You're becoming more of an expert. I mean, I just feel like, just remember right now that nobody knows. We're all figuring it out as we go because it's changing every day. So there's no way to say like, okay, well now I've learned everything there is to know about this topic. And gee whiz, given the internet, I don't think that's ever going to be true again. Like There will always be new stuff on a topic unless it's like, 15th century Tudor history or whatever, pretty much that's finite, right? But (laughs) but the stuff that's happening now is is very different.
2: So yeah, I agree. It's changing all the time. And those people that are in the room with you and you are learning from, they learn from someone else and they've continued to try and make mistakes and they just pick themselves up and move on. And that's it. You just move on. Everyone's going to make a mistake. Everyone's going to have this sense of, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? But you figure it out. And as long as your heart's in it, then how do you go wrong?
0: Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Laura. I've so enjoyed this conversation and having you here. This is beautiful.
2: I appreciate you so much. Thank you for what you're doing for the industry, for women. You're amazing. And thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) If you have enjoyed this episode of Goddess of Crypto, please comment, like, share, and tell all the women in your life, your girlfriends and your daughters and your mothers and your grandmas and your friends and your wives and everybody, all the women in the world so that we can make sure that the future of finance is female. I'll see you again.
1: Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth is isn't just your privilege, it's your right.